Welcome to the Wags of SEI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Both our partners are quadriplegics, and after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. So you must be thinking, what is the goal with this group? Our goal is and has always been to establish and nurture a strong network of women around the world who understand and support one another while navigating the SCI life. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission with this podcast is to spread education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspective. So join us each week as we tackle deeper discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the WAGS of SEI podcast. Here we go. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Led by our personal mentor and lawyer, Robin Wishart, Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia. They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases, and they work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource in the spinal cord injury community. Robin and her team look at their clients differently than other firms. You're not just a case, you're a person with a family, a life, and a purpose. They are always looking for ways to help improve the quality of life for their clients by providing the support they need for their recovery, such as assisting with insurance and benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists, and making sure that their clients are doing physically and mentally okay. Wish Our Brain and Spine Law is proud to support WAGS of SCI. Robin is committed to helping clients and their families any way that she can, because she wants you to live your life and not your claim. Your first consultation is always free. So contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure to mention that the WAGS of SCI sent you. This episode is sponsored in part by Camp Possibility. Camp Possibility is a one-week adapted camp for young adults aged 18 to 40 who have spinal cord injuries and their partners. This camp takes place in Martinsville, Indiana and runs from August 1st to 6th, 2021. Registration begins February 1st and there are limited spots available. For more information, visit www.camppossibility.org. That's camppossibility or email lauren at camppossibility.org. You can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, or you can contact us at wagsofsei at gmail.com and we'd be happy to connect you. Hurry as registration begins February 1st until all 24 spots are filled. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wags of SCI podcast with your hosts, Brooke Paget and Elena Polly. Hi, guys. So today we have a rather consistent topic that keeps on popping up on the Wags of SCI private discussion group. 
And it is around basically what the hell do you do when you get out of rehab with your partner? The first couple of weeks are what some may call a nightmare because they, they really are. You know, it's a new yeah. adjustment to a new life. You've never done it before. And it's just balancing everything. Whether your partner is a quad, quadriplegic or a paraplegic, the new routine is something that can be very difficult to establish. There's so much going on, right? I mean, yeah. even from like, where do you put the catheters? Where do you yeah. store all the supplies so you can get to them in time? Um, from yeah. like sleep, yeah, sleep deprivation. Um, I don't know. It's a it's a whole <laughs> whirlwind of things. So Brooke and I would like to take a moment and talk to you guys about some of our personal experiences of how we processed it. Mm-hmm. Some not positive, some are positive. I mean, you know, it's it's all part of the process. It's part of your journey. So yeah. what do you think, Brooke? Well, I think that this is a topic that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. And I think that what happens to you after you experience a trauma like this, and we know our partners are um, high level quadriplegics. So when a trauma like this happens in your relationship, everything about your world gets turned upside down in a moment. And you're literally in a fight or flight response where you have no idea what's going to happen from one minute to the next. And for most people that are not Zen Buddhist monks, <laughs> um, that is so hard for the body to handle. Um, and when I speak about body, I speak about mind, body, emotions, brain, body connection, who you think you are, everything rolled into one. Um, y- you get to a place where some trauma happens to you. And first of all, both of our experiences in the hospital and the rehab system, we were kind of cast aside and we felt like our emotional healing and our trauma was not something that we could talk about because they're the ones that had the injury. Don't you remember that, Elena? Like we both had the same experience mm-hmm. two years apart, right? Where it was like, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, because you're the partner, right? You're not the one that's lying there paralyzed in bed. Yeah. And there's, I just looking back, I, I find so much that I just want to change about that because we're the ones that are going through this as well and as caregivers and as people that are shoved into a new responsibility as well as being a partner to somebody because in able-bodied relationships you don't feel a responsibility for that person's life and when you're in relationships like ours especially quadriplegics that can't help themselves you have on your shoulders that responsibility of taking care of someone's life. And, you know, I know, you know, new parents would feel the same way. And I feel like there's a lot of similarities that way, like where it's like you're responsible for two humans that are helpless. And I feel like we're the same. And there's lots of support for new moms, you know, postpartum support, emotional, mental health, everyone talks about it. But there was zero support for us in the system. And I know from speaking to WAGS over the past four or five years, there is no support for us. And that's why we made the group because, you know, this, this kind of thing needs to be talked about. There are so many phases to recovery and your recovery is just as important as his is. It's like, you can't ignore your own recovery, right? Yeah. I mean, going back to what you're saying about the support for new moms, um, a friend of mine just had a baby and, I, I was just saying to Brooke earlier here, um, 
just kind of going with her to see, to check out the nurse that like teaches you how to breastfeed to make sure the baby's latching on, checking up on your, on her mental health, on her physical health. And I mean, that's a week after she gave birth. And I kind of sat there in the waiting room, just sort of observing all of this and thought, wow, that would have been really cool if somebody came in to check up on us. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and, and instead of being like, hey, Dan, do you have it all figured out in terms of like, do you know how to, you, you know, organize yourself properly so you can do a catheter? Do you have your wet wipes here? Do you have, you know, uh, I don't know, like change pads or soaker pads? Or do you have your sling? Do you have all this medical equipment? Your the proper commode? Do you have all this stuff? It's like it would have been really great for somebody to be like, Hey, Elena, do you have all of your shit together? You know, at that point, I'm like sleeping on an air mattress beside my boyfriend, um, living in, I guess, like government housing or whatnot for that month. But it it just kind of felt like nobody could ever set you up. There was no manual for how do you do this? How, How do you keep both of you above water while also running around and getting the medication, doing the grocery shopping, you know, doing everything while your partner feels quite helpless sitting there. Well, and not only are there no training manuals or anything like that as far as how to live this life, but there's nothing that instructs us on how to care for our partners. And, you know, you just kind of have to just learn by doing, which is interesting because these medical needs that our guys, you know, the needs that they have are high, high medical needs that people go to school for for five plus years, right? And we Mm -hmm. just get sent home without a second look. And I can't help but wonder, I'm like thinking back and I feel like this is like very, very ingrained in the system in general. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, let me know what you think of this, Elena, because I just actually thought of this, but I feel like there's a lot, a lot of it has to do with, um, you're a woman and, uh, you should know how to take care of somebody. Yeah, of course, of course. And there's a lot that we can deconstruct about that. And without going too far into capitalism and how the world makes money off of women doing unpaid domestic labor, (laughs) while the rest of the world gets to spin around. Um, And it's that assumption, too. It's the assumption, which they're not even thinking about it. It's just that assumption that's ingrained in the system that because you're a woman and you're a young woman and you're with your partner and you love and care for them that you're just going to know what to do and accept responsibility yeah it's sad I mean it's sad because we all we get into this process of believing that you know we we don't deserve to have more rights in terms of being compensated as partners it's like why do a lot of women not why are we not standing up and fighting for our rights it's because we've been told over and over and over again that we don't deserve them and it's a very difficult process to untrain yourself from um so that's what Brooke and I are doing. You guys may not see it, but we are consistently fighting for the rights of women and caregivers. And, you know, we just we just hope that the world will keep spinning forward and and we can continue to help each other and love each other. So to keep this podcast going, we want to give you guys some tips. What do you do when you are just so freaking exhausted and... I mean, what do you do when you first get out of rehab? Yeah. And like we've said so many times, there's no instruction manual. I feel like we have our tips, but like at the end of the day, you've been shoved into something head first with, without a life jacket on and you have to tread water. And 
when I look back on my experience, the first, oh man, I would say mine was the first year and a half. I constantly felt like I was treading water. I felt like somebody was standing on my shoulders and I was treading water as fast as I could to keep my head above water. That's the only way I can describe it. And I didn't have time. Um, I did not have time to process what I was going through. So I experienced a high level of stress that came out in the forms of, you know, I would wake up in the morning and take my resting heart rate and it was a hundred. Um, well, I would, you know, wake up at night and I would be sweating and I would have the worst, um, chest pains and chest constriction of my life. And at that time, I didn't want to know why, because I was treading water. You don't have time, right? It's something that you, you're trying to keep yourself and your partner alive. Yeah. And something (laughs) that you always say is I couldn't feel my feelings. Right. And uh, you know, you and I used to laugh about this because we're like, what do you mean? Feel your feelings, feel your feelings, girl. But truly it's when you're the hands and feet for two individuals. And every time you sit down, you're hopping back up. Um, that sometimes it's just really difficult to sit there and be like, Hey, I'm going to take this time now to like meditate and dig deeper as to why I'm having these physiological responses. Um, sometimes you just don't have that. And sometimes, you know, when we always say this, like if you need professional help and, and there's zero shame for asking about it. In fact, we always, always support and want to push you guys forward to seeking the professional help from a therapist, psychologist, a professional because that is so so important it is an investment in yourself and you matter and so does your mental health yeah for sure and like I I think that a really important point to mention um surrounding this is I think that everyone just needs to accept the fact that your life is going to feel like you're treading water full of chaos for the first year. It's just the way that it is. I feel like we've been conditioned in society to always strive for peace and harmony and we never find it because peace and harmony doesn't come from your circumstance. It comes from within. And when you're struggling to literally gasping for air, trying to keep yourself and your partner alive, um, you don't have the ability and the life force to, look at what you can do to make things differently. So I feel like acceptance is a big thing. And if I could give myself advice now, (laughs) back then, I would just say you have to accept that things are going to be difficult. There's no sugarcoating it. There's no saying that it's going to be easier. But a lot of, you know, quote, feeling your feelings is not trying to shove them away and pretend that you feel differently. You know, if you read any self-help book from any sort of psychotherapist angle, they will say you have to feel through your feelings in order to break through them. You can't bypass them because when you bypass them or you want things so desperately to be different than they are at this present moment, that's when you get into trouble. And I and, you know, we have all like we're in our 30s. You know, we were all raised in a way, especially our parents, where 
you don't devote time to your feelings. You just push through and you live your life. And that's when health problems come up. When you push through, you bypass your feelings and you self-medicate or you take sleeping pills or you smoke weed to the point where you forget. Sometimes those things are necessary, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like some, yeah. sometimes those things are fully, fully necessary. But don't avoid those tough feelings. Don't look at what's going on and wish things were different because they aren't different. Things are how they are right now. And that's all they can be right now because none of us know what's going to happen in the next hour, especially this freaking injury. Spinal cord injury, you don't know what's going to happen in the next minute. So it forces you into a place where it's like you literally have to just absorb what's happening around you. And I felt like I was just so obsessed with how can I make his life better? How can I help him? I'm keeping him alive. I have that weight on my shoulders. I'm responsible for him. You know, what if I wake up and his heart's not beating? What do I do? That fear? I should have felt that fear. I shouldn't have run from it. I mean, you know, we can you, regret things all we want, but I feel like that happening put me on the path I'm at today so that I can help other people um, to know that don't run away from your feelings. Don't run away from your fears. Don't second guess yourself and say, I should not be feeling these because my feelings are not important and shove them down because I can tell you from experience, they come up physically. They will come and bite you in the ass and you will have to deal with them eventually. So, you know, why not just understand that you're drowning right now and it's tough as hell and it's the worst time of your life, but your whatever you believe in your higher self, God is guiding you for where you are now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that being said, it's really, really important to, I mean, for, for myself, some of the things that I have on my list are things like ask for help and, you know, just be really honest <laughs> with your, your friends, your family, your partner's friends and family. And just if you need a break, um, a lot of what we're reading from the women who are writing in are saying, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm just, and that's like what Brooke is saying, that adrenal fatigue is a real thing and it will present itself in your body later on in life. So if you can just try to be really honest with yourself and just ask for help. If you need to have a nap, you know, get a, get a friend or family member to come over and maybe take your partner out for a little bit, go for a little walk or go for, I don't know, a coffee date or something. I mean, it's COVID now. So you use your discretion of what you're comfortable doing, but sometimes you just need that space just to like have a nap or breathe or think or have a bath or just, organize your house or just have a conversation with a friend yourself, you know, just take care of yourself. And one of the things that I used to complain about all the time <clears throat> was I would always say, Oh, I don't even have time to like shave my legs. And then somebody said to me, why don't you just do it? Just when you're having a shower, just shave your legs. And I, and I would say the same thing. I'm just worried something's going to happen while I'm in the shower yeah. and I'm not going to hear him. Like, I don't, God knows what could happen. So many things can happen, right? Um, you know, um, that finally I was like, no, I'm just going to start doing it. I'm just going to start shaving my legs because that is self-care. And these little, you know, little tidbits of self-care are a big deal. It all comes down to your self-worth in the long run. And you are worth a lot. And we get it. We, we understand that, yes, your partner is injured and in that moment they are a priority, but you really cannot take care of somebody else if you're not taking care of yourself. And 
it does get easier. It really does get easier. Brooke and I were just talking about what we used to do to sort of like um, get through the first little while. I was saying to Brooke, one of our things that we like doing was going to get like a Minkler pack of beer and Dan and I just sitting there together, like end of the day. It's like, that was our moment. Have a beer and relax. So those little moments that you have of just really slowing down it's like you do all the work you need to do and all the care for your partner don't forget to have a moment with the two of you you know one of the i mean dan our partners are both high level quads and one of the things that we learned right away is that dan and i like to play dominoes they're big pieces we would sit there have a beer play dominoes and again that connection with the two of you to be able to see that you can do things even after spinal cord injury. And you should try to do whatever it is that you both once enjoyed, or maybe you'll find new things to do together. Just do them. If your partner uses a power chair, you know, get going, go outside, get some fresh air, go for a nice walk. And just those little things, just hold on to that and just keep on practicing. It does get easier. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's what you said is a really good testament to, um, making time to sit in the present moment as much as you can is just so important. I think, you know, people give their eye rolls to like, oh, the present moment, that's so zen, that's so weird. But it's actually the only thing that you can do in times of stress to calm yourself down is is reaffirm yourself in the present moment because that's all you have. And when you're when you feel like you're so stressed out that you can't do anything, everybody has 10 seconds to you reaffirm their, their presence. Right. Um, I learned a tip. <clears throat> this was actually a few years after I was drowning. So it didn't really help me at the beginning, but, um, I used a, I, I learned a tip from one of the Buddhist monks that Evan and I listened to before bed for the past few years. He's, uh, his name's too hard to pronounce. So we call him Ty. Um, and he's been on Oprah. He's one of the big wigs as far as like mindfulness, um, and bringing mindfulness to the masses. But his tip to ground yourself in the present moment and to provide instant relaxation to your body is to breathe in. And while you're breathing in a big deep breath, you say to yourself, right now I am breathing in. And when you exhale, you say, I exhale with gratitude and love and I smile. And it's interesting because, you know, those little tips get written off by people because a lot of people will go for the medications or the Ativan or, or the, you know, something else to just forget. But when you do that over and over again, you take that time to just stop and notice that you're breathing, your body will calm down almost immediately. And with time, you get to the place where you can literally take a break for 10 seconds and get all the relaxation that is possible um, within 10 seconds. So I think that would be a really good tip for someone struggling mm-hmm. with anxiety and fear is to just really ground yourself with what you're doing right now is breathing and focus on breathing and smile when you breathe out. And that smile goes a long way because yeah. your body feels that your mind feels that I, you, you know, you talk about sitting on, on the porch and having beers and stuff and like, I wish that I would have done that, to be honest. Like, I did the opposite. I literally made myself so busy. Um, I didn't want to stop because I couldn't stop because I was running on adrenaline. So, like, I would take care of my partner. I would take him to his appointments. We would drive an hour each way to go to his appointments. Then we'd go to the doctor. And then we'd, like, oh, it just, our days were so busy. And then um, 
I would leave my partner with my mom and she would do acupuncture on him. And during that time, I would, instead of sitting there and getting it for myself, I would run off and go to a spin class or I would run off and drive back downtown um, to go and buy something or um, I would go and um, do some work. And I never actually thought it was important enough to sit down and just rest. (laughs) And that got me into a lot of trouble. And so, you know, I think, I think what you did at the beginning is so important, like playing a board game. That's freaking amazing. That literally is the most present thing that you can do. And you're also bonding with someone, right? That's really important. So Mm -hmm. anytime you can do something like that with your partner, and, you know, take those deep breaths for yourself, if you don't have the time, but do something like that with your partner. Oh, my gosh, that that is so like healing. I mean, that being said, um, we, you know, our approach was move on as quickly as possible. We didn't really want to sit in the loss of everything that had just happened to us. And for us, we went through quite a bit of trauma because my dance injury happened overseas in Cuba and the conditions that we were in was quite scary. Um, so we just kind of, when we got back to Canada, we were like, let's just move on with our lives as quickly as possible. Let's sell our house. Let's never go back. Let's just forget about it. And just kind of like, let's just build a new normal right away. And I will be totally honest with you. It has come up for us now years down the road where it's like, I'll have some wine and then I'll, I'll cry and be like, Oh my gosh, we went through so much. Talk to me about it. And Dan's like, I'm not at that stage of processing where you're at, where it's like, I I don't think we had the words to say what was happening then, but this past year, especially I think it has allowed us, oh oh God, we've done so much work, both like interpersonally and emotionally and all of that good stuff that now it's like, it's always very interesting to me um, when trauma comes up later on in your life, because maybe you weren't ready to cope or you didn't have the tools to deal with it then that it comes up later. And trust me, I've drank my fair share of wine and cried (laughs) a very fair share of it. So that was necessary in the moment, I suppose. And it's okay, but there, whatever that looks like for you, whatever that process looks like for you, be gentle with yourself be kind to yourself. Don't ever think I shouldn't be doing this or I should be doing that. There's no such thing. Just do whatever you need in that moment because every experience that you are ha- you're having right now is necessary. And how do I know that? Because you're having it. And that's just the way it goes, you know? Just mm-hmm. keep on keeping on, keep your head up high. Sometimes it's really hard to see the situation you're in because you are one of the little trees in the forest and you know there's there's no right or wrong that's something that I've definitely learned over the course of five years is you just just keep going just got to keep going do whatever you need in that moment for self-care for communication for the help that you need to process. And again, we're huge proponents of mental health and professional help. Mm -hmm. So if you ever feel like you need a bit of support that way, you know where to find us. You can send us an email to wagsofsei at gmail.com as well as find us on Instagram, wagsofsei. And we would be more than happy to help in any way that we can. And try and resist that denial. Like, I feel like there's a tendency to like deny what's happening to make yourself feel better. 
I mean, you can, you can deny it all you want, but that's not necessarily the healthiest way to go about things. If we were to give some advice, um, definitely invest in yourself, no matter what you think. Um, I remember at the start of Evan's accident, I didn't think I needed any help. I thought I was fine. I was running on all cylinders. I actually felt pretty good during the day because I was adrenaline out. Like I felt like I was climbing a mountain every day. I was like, yeah, I'm superwoman, but you crash eventually. Cause that's not sustainable. Um, but like, I literally would go back and and invest in once a month counseling where I could check in with somebody that I was paying to listen to me. I feel like it's people give it that like self-indulgent bad name, but self-indulgence is really good when it comes to your mental health. It's really good to make that a priority. Even if it costs you a lot, it'll come back to you. It's good karma. It's good juju. It'll come back to you tenfold. Um, I also wanted to say something about religion because I know we don't talk about religion that much just because there's all different religions and all different viewpoints. And, you know, we've got atheists, we've got Christians, we've got Catholics on the group. Uh, we just like to be very neutral, but I will we have say some occult, occult yeah. followers as well, <laughs> occult leaders. Yes. And all of them is welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did want to say though, regardless of what your religion is or what you believe in, now is the time to put those things into action. So, for instance, if you're a Christian and you're taught all your life in Sunday school to hand your troubles over to God, to the Holy Spirit, now is the time to do that. And why do I say that? Because regardless of what religion you are, every single religion, every sense, single belief system believes in a higher consciousness whether it's God, whether it's Jesus, whether it's Allah, it doesn't matter who it is. But now is the time when you're going through this to put your trust in a higher power. If there's any time, in the, then this time, it's this time. Because that is going to really help you. Um, and now again, I'm not trying to push any religion at all. I'm just saying, whatever that looks like for you, if you believe in a higher power, if you believe that you're not alone and you believe that you have a spirit inside of you, now is the time to identify with that and to go for it and to give that trust away. Because what happens is when you give that trust to somebody else, when you say, I don't know what to do, help me, putting that trust in a higher power will help guide you no matter what you believe in. Um, Absolutely. So I think that's really important to say because there's a lot of times during this injury that you feel absolutely alone, um, where you feel like you can't talk to your partner. You feel like you can't even talk to yourself. You feel like you're going crazy. You feel like you're like, oh, I don't even know what I would say to myself right now because I can't even think. Um, so if you just release that, if there's any way that you can get to a place where you can say, you know what? I don't know what the future holds. I don't even know what I'm doing now, but I'm going to surrender that and I'm going to I'm going to let that go to my higher self or my higher power or God or Jesus. Um and I'm going to release that and I'm going to let that go because I have no choice. Now is the time to do that. So, I think yeah. you know, I It's trust trust in the universe and trust that the universe actually wants the best for you at all times. And, um, you know, there's no amount of panic that's going to, or anxiety, I should say, that's going to change the future. And you just have to sit in it, right? Yeah. Another really good tip. And actually, I learned this from Evan because he's 
he's, he teaches me a lot about stability and faith. Um, my husband, Evan is, he's so strong in his belief that he is not alone and he's not in charge. And he said to me that, you know, he thinks that that comes from his accident. Um, his like, he almost died and he thinks that it comes from that. But he also said that he's never really felt afraid in life. And it works to his advantage because he tells me all the time, like, Brooke, like, just let it go. You're not in charge. No matter what you think, you're not in charge. If my heart stops beating in the night, that's not your problem. That's up to God. Like, there's only so much you can do to sustain your own life and my life. You know, you can Mm -hmm. put one foot in front of the other, but at the end of the day, you're not in charge. And like, it helps so much to like realize that. And it takes a lot of stress off your body to keep repeating that to yourself. You can only control so much. You can't control life force. (laughs) You can only assist it to being the best that you can be. Um, if, if, if there's someone out there listening that wants to explore what that feels like, I think, um, yoga is a really good way that it's accessible to everybody online on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yoga is a good way to breathe um, and get in touch with your silence because it's in the silent moments of your stress and of your pain. When you silence your thoughts and when you silence yourself to the point where you're breathing, it, that's when you get your inspiration. And so yoga is a really accessible way to do that if you don't have a set of beliefs that you'll go to automatically. Um, Because like it or not, every single one of us in this position, we kind of question our existence, right? We question like, who are we? What is the meaning of this? (laughs) Yeah. Why did this happen to my partner? Why did this happen to me? Yeah. Um, And you realize that like, that... The, the bad things in life are bad because we assign bad t- to them. The good things in life are good because we assign good to them. There yeah. is no good and bad, like you were saying earlier. Um, it's just an experience. And if you can wrap your head around that and know that, yeah, I mean, this sucks. It's not favorable. But that's life. <laughs> it just is. And it's life. Yeah, that's, this is that's a that human experience, right? Yeah, we always talk about that. We always say we're like, it just is. You just are. It's not that anything is good or bad. It just is. And uh, I quickly want to share a couple little tidbits from Dr. Caroline Leaf for anybody interested in following um, somebody who does a lot of work with awareness, especially for anxiety and depression. This is something my mom started following. Um, She started reading Dr. Caroline Leaf to help her deal with anxiety and depression through her Parkinson's and through her electric shock therapy treatments. And a couple tidbits that Dr. Caroline Leaf says is here are four things to think about. Number one, rest is a requirement, not a reward. And that is so true. You have to get a good night's sleep. You have to take care of yourself so you can process, you can think things through clearly. When you're not sleeping, when you're not resting, you can't think clearly. And sometimes, you know, we react um, in ways that we normally would not react in. And secondly, no amount of guilt will ever change the past. And no amount of anxiety will change the future. Kind of like what we're saying, you know, it just is. You just are. This is just the way it is. The third one is the presence of conflict does 
does not predict the end of a relationship. And this is a huge one because you are now in a relationship with your partner who's going to be going through a lot of changes, who's going to be processing a lot of things. Conflict is okay. It's okay to have conflict. It doesn't mean that things are over. So whenever that arises, don't try to make things over, you know, just, just, it is what it is. <laughs> it's a conflict and it's okay to have various opinions that are not necessarily the same ones. And it's okay to deal with, with difficult situations and come out on top with a new conclusion. That's part of having a relationship. Then the fourth one is people can learn a lot from mistakes when they stop pretending they don't exist. And again, I think that goes back to what you're saying, Brooke, is, you know, just sitting in it, just sitting in the feelings, just sitting in the uncomfortable situations, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's those points are amazing. And I think anyone listening that, you know, wants to rewind it and listen to those again, I think that those are right spot on. Whatever way you interpret them is how you're supposed Mm -hmm. to interpret them too. So listen to them again, if you can. Um, I will say that, again... Um, going back to what I said at the beginning, how this is uncomfortable, this period of your life is very, very uncomfortable, very hard to go through. There's no sugarcoating it. Um, but processing these emotions is also the hardest thing you will ever do. Um, there's no sugarcoating processing fear and anxiety and the feelings that come along with that and the fears for your life. And the fear that your partner's life will be taken from you and the fear of not knowing what will come after that. There is literally no easy way to do that. Um, And I know there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of times when you're trying to process things that have happened and it's just too much. But when it starts to be too much is when the biggest changes will happen. And so I encourage everyone out there when you're, you're sitting with things, it feels uncomfortable as hell. And it's the, sometimes it's the worst feeling ever. Um, and you feel hopeless, you know, you're feeling it. Right. And that's, what's important. You have to let it pass through and it's uncomfortable as hell. (laughs) Speaking from experience, you know, absolutely. And I think, you know, one thing to mention here quickly is just, you know, when the injury happens, there's a lot going on um, in terms of like the rehab, the hospital, the ICU, the step down, the spine ward, the this, 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 you know, you, you're getting so rapidly involved in a new normal or a new way of living that when you get those moments of like, okay, now I can just kind of like chill, like when you first get out of rehab and it's just the two of you, no beeping, no nurses, no doctors doctors, no OTPT running around. It's kind of like, it's just the two of you. And that can be really, really difficult to get used to. And that's why I say it's so important to try to find something that you both like to do and figure out how to do it. Like I know some of the greatest tips we've had especially for our partners being quadriplegics is getting a stylus and a and an iPad and let them sort of start messing around with it and creating their own life and schedule and doing their own research. And there's nothing better than having independence, you know, get a 
electric toothbrush so that your partner can brush their teeth with like maybe a handcuff or, you know, get the adapted forks and, and cutlery so that your partner can also regain a little bit of balance. And sometimes that gives you a break as well. You know, when, when they're content doing their thing, mm-hmm. then you can take that as time to do the breathing exercises that Brooke mentioned or whatever self-care you need, whether it's a nap or a glass of wine. Uh, We always say it's never too early to start drinking wine. And that is the damn truth about this injury. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that you brought up that stuff about, you know, getting them into, you know, what they want to get into um, and letting them get into that and letting them flail is really important. Like let it, let them mess up, let them try and find their way and get frustrated. That's how they process their own feelings. Um, Yeah. You can't, you can't protect other people forever either. Right? No, you can't protect other people at all. Like you, like I remember when Evan was first injured, I just didn't want him to feel any more pain than he had already felt. And, um, I would protect him in so many ways, but to the point where it was like, you, it was making me feel sick. Like it wasn't serving either of us. It's like, you can only shelter someone as much as you can. It's, it's that whole thing of like, you saw what happened to them when you weren't there to protect them. And then although they get injured and you kind of take a little bit on yourself. Like I know I did. And I know Mm -hmm. it took years for me to like process that of like, you somehow feel like it is a bit your responsibility and it's your job and you weren't there. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that quote by like Robin Williams that was basically he said, you know, the reason why I want, I I like to make people laugh is because I know what it feels to feel so sad, the saddest ever that I never want anybody else to feel that again. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, he covers yeah. it up by yeah. by making other people laugh, and there's a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like your inner child and all the wounds that are coming out from mm-hmm. not being protected and whatever situation you are in from your perspective and through your your frame, mm-hmm. um, that it's, you know, you, you can't undo what had happened to you. So don't try to mask it and try to protect things from happening to other people yeah. because it is all necessary. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, uh, those of you who are more anxious types, um, you're all out there. I'm one of them, <laughs> um, where you get nervous about the future sometimes and you have a tendency to like, look to the future. Um, I would definitely say that you don't need to worry because you will find your way no matter what and try, 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 try to just keep instilling that in yourself because everything, every obstacle that comes your way, you have the opportunity to make it a learning and teaching experience where you just grow faster than you ever thought, or you can take another road. There's no one way of doing things. Um, you have to find your own way and you will find your own way. Even if you stumble a hundred times, right? That's right. And don't forget that nothing is a race. One of my favorite quotes I think was by, um, Oh, what was, what was the quote? The quote was basically that spinal cord injury, you know, and recovery is not a race. It's a marathon. And that has to be true. I think it was by Rick Hansen. Rick Hansen says it all the time is that SCI is not a race. It's a marathon. So just take it one day at a time. And when you look back years down the road, you're going to be like, wow, that's quite the journey. And here I am and I've made it. So whatever happens, just know that you will always be okay in the end. For sure. Um, 
I have one quote that I wanted to talk about. The, the, the monk that I was talking about, we'll call him Ty. Just Google Ty the monk if you're interested, or you can email <laughs> us. <laughs> I can't pronounce his name. Um, Ty the monk. <laughs> yes. So here's a quote that I just found really powerful. Um, do not fight against pain. Do not fight against irritation or jealousy. Embrace them with great tenderness, as though you were embracing a little baby. Your anger is yourself, and you should not be violent towards it. The same thing goes for all your emotions. Thought that was really good. So yeah. let's let's uh-huh. use that as a as a bridge to say that you know if there's anything that's that resides within you that you liked uh, during the podcast that you want to look into, we're always available wagsofsca at gmail.com. We're also always available to help provide you with the resources that you need, especially when it comes to self transformation. So if you're interested in any of the books that you've heard here, or you want to know more about self help or any sort of online course, there are many ways that we can assist you with that. Um, because we do fundraising exactly for this reason. So please, 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 if you feel called by anything you heard, email us and we'll figure out a way to provide you with those resources. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you once again for spending this time with us this week with Elena Polly and Brooke Paget. We are so honored to be able to provide this podcast to you guys and we hope that it helps you in one small little way and that you will share it with your friends and family as well because this is an area that needs so much awareness and the wags of sci wives and girlfriends of spinal cord injury you matter everything you're doing matters so until next time love each other and love yourself we'll see you soon cheers advocacy and outreach group Wags of SCI is currently a volunteer-based operation. We raise funds year-round to pay for date nights for our couples, essential medical supplies that our members may not be able to afford, mental health support for our Wags, including counseling, and our amazing meetups led by our volunteer ambassadors around the globe. If you feel called to support our mission, please visit our website wagsofsci.com or donate directly to the Wags of SCI GoFundMe page. We thank you for your support to help make this group possible and make a difference in the lives of SCI couples worldwide.